Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50 with Dallas and Michael, part four of our four-part series on biases, why we get caught up with the crowd. Thanks, Michael. It was uh, much better than the first time around we tried to record that. It was sort of complicating with the four parts and part four and all the rest of it. Yeah, we had to take <laughs> have a second take. So we obviously talked, just to recap, our, our first, the first topic was about um, yeah, why we make mistakes. The second part was around why we struggle to fix those mistakes. The third part was around why we get caught up with fake news and why we sort of believe things that aren't true. This last bit is uh, why we get caught up with the crowd. And this ties into a point that we've sort of touched on in a couple of these other biases, but the reality is that we don't make decisions. We don't live in a vacuum. We are surrounded by other people all the time, our friends, other people we don't like, family, everyone, you know, we are social creatures. And so when we make decisions, we like to think that we sit there and we make a decision based purely on, you know, our own intuition, our own rational mind. But most of what we're doing every minute of the day is looking around at other people. And, and, um, and again, that makes, makes a lot of sense because it's too hard. There's too much information out there for us to piece it all together on our own. We do have to take on board information that's, that's gone through someone and, and use them as a potential filter. But the important thing to bear in mind then is that the minute that we are thinking about these decisions through the lens of other people and how they react to it, we've then added an extra layer there. So this is a really interesting one when we look at, um, for example, uh, the, the first bias here, which is, and, and, and the name of the podcast, why we get caught up with the crowd, the first bias when it comes to this is, is groupthink, which is that we like to you know, think about and agree with other people and go along with the crowd. And again, you can understand why that is a completely logical, rational thing, is that no one, no one likes someone who's just disagreeable all the time and completely contrarian. And so from a young age, we're sort of, taught a bit to you know try not to be too difficult and, and go along with most of the time with things but surely you have a, a village <laughs> analogy from 3,000 years well, ago Dallas well, like I, to, I, do, to, I do this is like the, the tribal thing is that you know if you think of any sort of group it, it's a bit like a where I think this gets dangerous is that anyone who's played a team sport knows that when you're making team decisions making a decision that you all agree with is more important necessarily than making the right decision. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you play on a football team and you say, this is, <laughs> this is the style of play that we're going to do or this is what we're going to do here, hmm. if you go, no, I don't agree with that, I'm going to go off and do my own thing, that, that is, you just can't, you can't play any no. team sport like that. Now, where it gets really interesting, though, is that we sort of treat our financial life as some sort of team sport and we think that the decisions that other people make somehow you know, have a bearing on, on our own our own life and that's just not the reality of it. If, well, if a great example, I think, is um, uh, your client 
that that rang you recently in March of yeah. 2020. Yeah. Because the people that he exercised... Yeah, we went up the hill. Yeah, mate, um, he went up the hill with every day. Now, when Dallas says go up the hill, yeah. people have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Let's, 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 let's delve into this. <laughs> so in Townsville, we have a hill, a hill, hill, which is six feet short of a mountain. <laughs> um, and we call it, it's called Castle Hill, and it's right in the city. Yeah. It's right in the center of the city. It's, it's, it's quite yeah. unique. So, yeah. Yeah. so this big hill... Yeah. With and houses around the bottom section of it, that, right in the centre of the city. <laughs> That's a great point because when we talk about doing the hill, it, and people and in town say know. you're going to go up the hill or do the hill. Yeah. What it means is you're going to exercise, walk up the walking hill, and running up this hill. So yeah. it's quite a, it's quite a common thing because its its proximity is really really close to the yeah. city. So you yeah. can you can you can leave your office and yeah. walk up the hill, or leave your yeah. house and walk up the hill. So that's what Dallas is talking about when he says <laughs> he's going up the hill <laughs> with some friends. So. He was exercising by walking up the hill with some friends, yep. and and because it's quite a long journey up this hill, you get you get the chance to have a good discussion, don't yeah, you? So, yeah, you do. So, um, your client, all of his friends that he yeah. was exercising with, yeah. were selling out. Yes, at very close to the bottom of yeah. the. So they were all talking about you know their superannuation funds and how they'd been watching the balances drop, and everyone in this group. Well, well, the different people that he'd, he'd talked to, they were all doing much the same thing, which was there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, share prices have dropped by 35 37%. It's, we can't take this anymore. We're going to move our, our superannuation into cash. Now, as I said, the, the beauty of this was that we just had a meeting about a month before because we're talking about, you know, their potential retirement in future and all the rest of it. And so it was, it was a really stressful time, but... It, it was very interesting because it had that it was having those conversations with people and and he knew and and we talked about it when when we had this discussion that he knew that these people didn't know anything about about financial planning in general and they definitely didn't know anything about his situation or or how these decisions would impact him but it's just a, human nature is that if everyone is doing something it's really easy to get caught up in that and go well if they're all doing something it it, it must there must be some reason behind that and those are sort of the things to, to take into account is that you really be making decisions based on your own either first principles in terms of your own thoughts or your own uh, ideas on the matter or at the very least making decisions based on an expert in that and that was kind of something where we had uh, you know, myself and these clients had just sat down and talked about it. that's why it was easy we just sat down we talked about what they needed to try and achieve, what was important to them, and what they needed to do based on this volatility. And well, so it was very easy for them to stick to it. I think the interesting part of this is that is that your client called you yeah. and prefaced it with, I know I know this is probably the wrong thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, yeah. In fact, I'm almost sure. Yeah, but I just but want to check. I just want to check because these other people are doing this. So the, the, the group thing urge was so strong. Yes, yeah. But he could consciously actually... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, Exactly. He could consciously understand that there was an urge there that was yeah. forcing him to yes. to check in with you. Yeah, and and that was where it worked was because he he knew. And I'd said this, but I said, you know, this is not going to be fun for you to go through. You you are going to see uh, people making this wrong decision. That's kind of what we spoke about then when when he got back in touch. Is that look, it, it's very hard. It's like if you're sitting there, and again from an evolutionary point of view. If I'm sitting here in a group of 10 people and all of a sudden everyone gets up and runs the other way, I don't sit there and go, well, hang on, 
what what are they running from? What is it? Who's what's going on here? Should I be running too? I just panic as well and run. Hmm. And it's only afterwards that I go, what what are we what are we running from, guys? What's what's going on here? And so it's it's kind of that same impulse that yeah, you know, if you're if you're talking to, to five people and they all say, Hey, we're all gonna panic and sell and, and move our, our shares into cash, it's very easy to go, Well, should I be should I be panicking as well? And so <laughs> it's it's a it's a hard to uh, a hard thing to do is to is to avoid that group think. But I think that's like I said, the how to minimise that is either make those decisions based on your your own principles, or based on you know someone that you that you do trust and you can rely on, because then you are actually going to be more likely to stick to that decision, regardless of what everyone else around you is mm. is doing. Mm. Number two, restraint bias. Uh, the this is an interesting one because it's not so much. Uh, it's a bit of you know, getting caught up with the crowd, but it tends to be then a justification for why we do things that everyone else is doing. So restraint bias is that we think we will be able to restrain ourselves when tempted in future. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, what tends to happen, and this ties into how markets work, is that more people, if more people are buying than selling, prices go up. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, that's that then ties into the people that are buying are proven right, and so that happens and continues to happen. Prices go up until such time as the bubble bursts there and things go down, and then there's more people selling than buying, and the prices go down. Now, the whole way along here, what tends to happen is that people think that they are going to be the one that can restrain themselves and not get caught up. And it ties into, I guess, the restraint is really against that groupthink or, or against that mm. short-term view that that we are hardwired to have, is that everyone thinks that they're going to be the person that's going to be able to not get caught up in the crowd mm. and not get greedy when, when the, you know, things have been booming along for many years. And they also think that they are going to be the person that doesn't want to panic and doesn't want to sell um, when when prices are at their absolute lowest. Yeah, look, I, I love the example that you've got written down here. See, so people think that they can have junk food in the house but not eat it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So, so I mean, that, I think that's a perfect analogy. Yeah. I've heard many times in the past where you talk about volatility and, and people actually shrug it off. Yes. Yeah. And they'll say, oh, I, wouldn't that, do that, I, yeah. I, won't, I won't be worried about that. Now, yeah. now they're... Sometimes the very person that is worried about that yeah. when it actually does happen in the future. So, mm. so um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting one, and, and it ties into that thing of like we were just saying. If you're checking your superannuation balance every day or every week, you might be doing that, saying, "Yeah, it's fine. I won't react based on that anyway." But is that like looking in the fridge? Yeah, you every, like every, in the fridge. every five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> seeing yeah, that block yeah. of chocolate if, there. If you, if you know that you shouldn't be eating anything right now. And you go, I'll just have a look in the fridge. No, no, just don't have a look in the fridge. Don't yeah. do it because you think that you're going to be this superhuman that's going to be able to restrain themselves. Mm. And it's just not It's not how it works in reality. So look, I find that, um, this is digressing a little bit, but but one of my favorite shows to watch is Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> and um, so at the start of the show, you know, Chef Ramsey obviously goes in and swears a lot and he goes through. And um, at the start of the show, when he goes in, the chef that owns the place is obviously cooking terrible food. Yeah. That's why he's on there. Yeah. And then he turns it all around. Yeah. In the back half of the show, yeah. 
they start cooking really nice food. Yeah. That's when I start getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, 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 it's you, actually... You should really just watch the first half of the show. I should watch the first half of the show. Yeah. I actually have to build in... So I watched it last <laughs> night. I had to build in... I, I was going to have... Um, Extra, like I was going to have more to eat for dinner, yeah. but I had, I had less to eat. And then I timed it so that I could have <laughs> a slice of bread with butter on it and any and, and and yogurt uh, while, while, while Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares was on because I knew I was going to get hungry. <laughs> no, that's right. That's, so that's a great example of something where you go, we, we think, you know, we, think we, we know that in the past, I always joke about this with, with uh, Nicola, my wife, she's, she has a mental image of herself as someone who gets up early and exercises. Now, that mental image up against reality very often. This very morning, in fact, she'd been getting up and going up. Again, we just talked about going up the hill. So every, every morning she gets up and goes up the hill sometimes. But, then, <laughs> but if you said to her, hey, sometimes you aren't actually going to do that. Like you, you're going to wake up, it's going to be a bit dark, be cold or something, or you know, you're just a bit tired. You're probably not going to go up the hill every day. If you said that to her, she she would think that you you're basically mocking her. She'd be going, no no, I'm I'm going to do that in future. I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to be up the hill every morning. I'm going to be doing this. You know, it's really I think that restraint bias is is around just accepting that we're all human. And that this is given that I've just you know hung hung a bit of uh, <laughs> a bit of a joke on her. I'll, the example that she always uses with me is that I'll say, you know, don't buy any chocolate because then I have to eat it all. She's yeah. sort of going, no, no, you can just, you can just not eat the chocolate. I go, no, no, don't be ridiculous. If, if you buy the chocolate, it's in the house. I'm going to eat it all. So yeah. just don't buy it because I know that I won't be able to control myself in future. So, well, why have a bad five days? Why not just have a bad one day and then get back on track the next day? Yeah, no, that's right. And so that's where you know we, we joke about this when it comes to food, but but when it comes to money, it's the same thing. We, we have this image where we're going to be these superhumans that. Um, you know, the other one that I see a lot here is people who currently spend $100,000 every year, mm. you know, they think that, well, when we retire, we're going to spend sixty. Yeah. And I go, that's just, that's not realistic. Let's, instead of doing that, why don't you spend $80,000 a year now, which is more feasible, you can actually cut back to that and put more money aside so that when you retire, you can spend 80000 Yeah. So that's, you know, let's smooth that out a bit and let's just accept that you're not going to be some superhuman that is, is far more able to restrain yourself you know, in the future than, than what you have been historically. Or yeah, the restraint bias, it shows up in almost every line item of a budget. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, so yeah. You know, I mean, the classic one that I like is um, clients of mine that come in immaculately dressed yeah. and they and, and you get to the clothing, what are you going to spend on clothing okay, this year? $200. $200. Like, come on. Come on <laughs> You're now. wearing $500 <laughs> clothes right now. Um, yeah. And it's more important to have it have yeah, it in, have in, it that's, have it accurate yeah. than to, to have it as the lowest figure yeah, as think, possible. And it's, it's not to say no. don't spend two thousand or three thousand dollars in clothing. Yeah. It's it's to have an accurate figure. Yeah. It has to be a realistic figure. And I think that's this restraint bias for me it's a really good example of one where, you know, you can you can minimize, you can try and minimize or avoid it. It's it's but it's just gonna be really hard. I I think this is one that it's almost it's not too hard to try and, but the the best way to really minimise the effects of that is just to accept that we're all human, we're all fallible, we're all going to make mistakes unless unless we remove those incentives, unless we mm. you know, 
in the example of your food, if, if you just don't have any junk food in the house, you, you, can't, you can't then have to worry about how restrained you're going to be in the future. If you're going to meet with a financial planner every six months and, and they are telling you what you need to do, you don't have to then try and decide, I'm going to be someone who saves more money in the future. You just mm. react based on that. Mm. If you aren't checking your super balance every week, you then don't have to worry about how will I react? Will I be able to stick to the plan when things are really volatile? I just won't pay any attention to it. So state bias is, is one that we just got to accept that we're all human. We are hardwired a certain way and, and we just need to work around that, basically. Yeah. And the third? So this is, again, a bit more of a technical one here around getting caught up with the crowd is that neglect of probability. So we ignore the probability of an event and focus only on the outcome. Now, why this is why I've tied this in with the crowd thing is that you touched on this very early in, in, in the first bias we talked about, actually, which is confirmation bias, which is that we tend to look at people around us, and and um, another form of this is what they call survivorship bias. So we look around and we look at someone who has achieved something, or we look at some an outcome where things have have gone a certain way, and we go, well, I want that outcome. So I'm going to make that choice. What we actually do is we, we ignore the probability of it. Now, again, a great analogy here is, is the horse racing one, is that every year you, you hear some story about, you know, someone who bought a horse for $50,000 and all of a sudden it, it, it won the Everest horse <coughs> race or it you know, won $5 million worth of prize money. So every year there's there's groups of bikes out there that are going and buying racehorses because they go we we want to buy the next winks or we want to buy a horse that's going to win the melbourne cup or something like that whereas what they what they're doing there is they're ignoring the probability of that and so you go well we're focusing on the outcome of what will happen if that goes our way we're not talking about what's the probability of that happening and you know is that is that something that we can that we can actually risk there so you know it, it's fairly benign talking about buying a racehorse or something like that or buying a lotto ticket or something like that. Mm. But again, to go back, the dangerous one here is if I'm going to go and borrow $2 million and, and buy a heap of um, rental properties, I can look and, and find someone who did that 20 years ago and they mm. got the right area or the right region or they just bought the right property and things went their way and they're at the right time of the market cycle and things have boomed along. Now, what we don't see is the times when people did that, you know, for example, in towns where people who did that 10 years ago and those properties haven't risen in value at all and they are, you know, they've, they've sort of been wiped out financially because of that. So whenever we're looking at a decision, we need to look at both aspects of it, which is that what's the outcome if that, if that happens and also what's the probability of it happening, which, again, intellectually, we all know we should do that, but it's very hard to, to, to do it. That's good. So that was the final instalment of final our four-part series yep. on biases. Yep. Um, so uh, while we get caught up with the crowd, and um, of course there's three that came before this, so yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.